Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that have twin matching Chromebooks open at the same time. Be a mad twin about it. Well, mine is Asus. Jason's is Toshiba, so get your facts straight. Get I guess we're going to have to start a podcast now. Let's go. Howdy, everybody. What's up? What's up, bro? What's going on, man? How's life? I uh, bought this Chromebook two days ago, Amazon Prime Day. Yo. It was like half off, 120 bucks. I hate being that guy, but Loving Amazon Prime Day, fire. Loving it already. Right? Like, you don't want to love it. You got to love so it. So far. Anybody out there who wants a laptop but doesn't need, like, intense laptop things that you could do on, like, Macs and shit? Chromebooks literally do the same exact thing. All right, all right relax there, guy. Chromebook's not paying us yet, all right? So, uh, <laughs> but, yo, I, I bought an electric toothbrush and a flosser that flosses your teeth with water instead of string. Like, just shoot, like you know the I've dentist? I've seen that. It just, like, shoots your I would never buy this thing if they weren't on. Messy, is it good? 75% discount. I don't know. I haven't gotten them yet. I saw it. It was, like, a teeth cleaner 7000 or some shit. Yeah, for, like, $30. <laughs> <laughs> and my my uh, dentist has been telling me to get an electric toothbrush like this whole time, and I'm just like, chill, bro. Yeah, know. we all use the same Amazon, and every time I see some weird shit ordered, I know it was Timmy. <laughs> Yo, I ordered. I like to order weird shit. All right? Did you like the shirts that I bought? Oh, I didn't see the shirts. Yeah, what? Nice shirts. They like the they like those cool shirts that like go like super low. So you know I'm out here. Yeah. Cool shirts. Cool shirts because they're low. <laughs> I like the deep cut. That's right. No, 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 not not on the top. Low on the bottom, like they hang kind of, like the Kanye West don't shirts. Like that. Hang low. I, f- I fuck with those I shirts. Like, I don't like man. long bottoms. I hate that. It's hard yeah. because I got a big ass. I don't understand the trend. Yeah, but I, I like it a lot. And I got I got shirts with like a hole in it. I'm trying. I'm trying to like step my fashion game up. I'm not gonna lie. With ridiculous Great. stuff. Yeah. Go exactly. shop at Supreme. I just put a whole. I just bought a whole bunch of shit with holes in it already. So I don't. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just gonna start putting <laughs> pictures up of you on Brodo. Rate him. <laughs> rate his outfit. Are you ready for this though? Ready? Smooth transition. Do you know what doesn't have holes in it? Our fantasy anal- analysis. Boom! Boom! I almost got it, and then I fucked up analysis. I said analysis. Can't. Your mind's in the gutter. Can't. Yeah, my mind's in the gutter. But today we got an exciting show for you today. Not only do we have over unders for. I'm with like six. What are you doing? Six topics? Seven topics? Something like that? Yep. Right? Yep. We also have ourselves a special guest. For the first guest ever in Brodo history, Jim Ooh. Day at Fantasy Taz on Twitter, a writer for Fighting Chess Fantasy, is going to call me to tell us about. We're just going to ask him a couple questions, tell him, you know, get his opinion on some stuff, going into some drafts. Yeah, it's cool to get some new minds in here. Yeah, for sure. Be just especially because, you know, I don't know. Totally. <laughs> I was going to say something bad about us, but then I don't want it anymore. No, it's never bad to talk football. No, never. So uh, we're going to get started on these over-unders first. And these over-unders, just to give you a background on them, are you know grounded in some stats that we found. So let's get into some over-unders for the upcoming 2018 season. Remember, this is July 18th, right? So... We are going into this season. This is very much off season, but just from the very first moments and what you see so far, uh, preseason haven't even started yet, right? But let's, what do we see? Let's start with somebody that Jason has had a history of. Oh, Last yeah. year, you could call it a vendetta. You could call it a vendetta. Last year, Jason That's said he was light. Gonna, <laughs> Jason said he was going to score two touchdowns. Ended up scoring seven. All right. <laughs> Best case scenario. I'll, I'll wait. We'll, we'll wait because this year, this answer. The first question is very simple. Run CMC over or under seven touchdowns this season. Jason, you look like your head's gonna explode. So why don't you start over or under? Because Christian McCaffrey's not scoring seven touchdowns. It's the easiest under ever. You didn't even say under. That's how you know. That's how you the know. Easiest it under ever. Last season was literally the perfect storm of events for Christian McCaffrey. There's no other way of putting it. Uh, they get rid of Kelvin Benjamin. Greg Olson gets injured for nine games he missed. Uh, Jonathan Stewart was the other running back. He's Can we even consider him a running back at this point? He's just a guy who gets the ball and gets tackled. So Christian McCaffrey was basically 
the running back, the number one receiver last year. Funchess was decent, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, something like that. He's not the number one receiver there. Christian McCaffrey was basically the offense for most of the season. And what did he show for it? Seven touchdowns? Seven touchdowns. So this is best case scenario, right? 2017 is best case scenario for Christian McCaffrey. Jonathan Stewart last year had 23 rushes within the 11-yard line. Do you know how many Christian McCaffrey had? Five. Do you know how many they had inside the five-yard line? 18, Jonathan Stewart. Two, Christian McCaffrey. So what I'm saying here is C.J. Anderson, now on the Panthers, better player, better runner. He's going to run those in. So Christian McCaffrey's not going to have those chances, those two chances all season. He's, and he's not even going to have the chances to catch passes on play actions or on little Well, at legs. least not at the rate that he did before. He'll obviously have yes, these yes, chances. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Right. Not, definitely not at the rate of last season because Jonathan Stewart and C.J. Anderson are on two different levels. C.J. Anderson averages over four yards a carry. He's a very good running back, very underrated. So that's one reason why. But Christian McCaffrey's more of a receiver than a running back. So we'll look at the receiving side of the ball. I'm going to repeat what I've said before because it has to be repeated. He played seven games with Greg Olson last year, nine without him. Without him, he averaged 44 receiving yards a game and four touchdowns. So he didn't average. He averaged 44 receiving yards a game. He and had, had four, touch, touchdowns. four touchdowns. Correct. With Greg Olson playing, 37 receiving yards a game, one touchdown. Greg Olson's healthy. DJ Moore is around. Curtis Samuel's around. Demir Bird came up at the end of the year. CJ Anderson is signed. All right. All right. Now, all, all this, fine, fine and dandy. But you are talking about a guy who had over 120 receptions. You're talking about a guy who was the offense of a playoff team last year. You're talking about a guy who's in his way, who's 34 now in Greg Olson. But he's like, still a big part of the offense. Right, but th- there's no guarantee that he stays healthy. That's not a guarantee. As of right now, sure. But if any of those guys go down for an extended period of time, not only is Christian McCaffrey a legitimate player just but by he's, himself he's not a red zone threat he wasn't good at breaking out of tackles last season he wasn't good at being elusive last season he was a pretty mediocre player last season michael help me out here man over under yeah listen i'm going over here yeah, yeah of course you are you take thank you for bringing some sense to this christian mccaffrey's getting eight Get or nine touchdowns listen listen jay all right listen <laughs> christian mccaffrey had seven touchdowns last year as a rookie all right, I understand the whole he doesn't get the ball in the end zone thing, but he had 15 rushes inside the red zone last year. Only two were inside the five-yard line, Thank but you. 15 were in the red zone. He also, which you just decided, let me not mention this stat, <laughs> had 13 targets in the red zone. Oh, you left that one out, you huh? You just decided, oh, let, me, okay. let me hop into the five-yard line only. You realize what I'm saying is Greg Olson wasn't there. He's his main red zone contributor. Kevin Bel- Kelvin Benjamin got traded. Now they brought in DJ Moore to get some. CJ Anderson is a better running back than Jonathan Stewart. He's not going to have that many opportunities. But th- this is a team that carries the ball top five in the league every single year. And a red zone reception doesn't mean a touchdown. What would you say, 15? Of course it doesn't. A game? I mean, of course it doesn't mean a touchdown. So but it's an, So he has one shot a game at a touchdown. It's a better opportunity at a touchdown. And one has, shot a game, that's 16 touchdowns maybe. He's not going to get it. He had 26 time. red zone touchdowns last t- Red zone touches last year. That was 23rd in the league. You don't think he could improve on 23rd in the league in red zone touches? I don't see it. As a second-year back coming off of a huge rookie season. Huge is an overstatement. He only had, he was only 39th <laughs> in the NFL in carries last year. 117 carries. 113 targets. He will get more carries this year, Far too, Far away the most. 80 receptions. He, he killed it receiving out of the backfield. I mean, it's not like he's just they're just going to not use him in the red zone just because CJA is there. He's going he's gonna to be... Catching pass out of the backfield, maybe even lining up out of the slot sometimes. He did that, I'm pretty sure it was against the Jets, where he just ran a little out and caught a two-yard touchdown. Not only that, he has to have drawn-up touchdowns. You guys remember that play where Cam Newton, it was Clay Matthews and Cam Newton, and Clay Matthews was like, watch the the hook or whatever, and Cam was like, he's like, oh, you watch film, huh? Watch this. this, They can't even stop the dude when they know what's coming. So you have to look. You have to, to extrapolate off of one. That's exactly what I'm doing. All right. <laughs> look, we could talk about this forever. Let's move on. Jason goes with the under seven touchdowns. Michael with the over. I'm under. not. I'm not even a big Christian McCaffrey guy. I just. It's just four <laughs> touchdowns. Book it. I, uh, I I I don't see him reaching double digit touchdowns. Jason and I already have a side bet about this. So I let, think we'll, eight we'll, or nine is solid though. We'll find out. All right. Uh, 
Let's go to someone who's been in the news lately. And let's let's do this. Let's try and forget about the news, right? Let's assume he's innocent. Because okay. if he's not innocent, then this completely changes. I know who you're talking about. Right? And I'm talking about Shady McCoy. Let's assume that he didn't do the crazy stuff that he's assumed of, of that he's accused of, right? Let's take a look at just Shady the runner. Right now, he's being drafted. Before the scandal, he was being drafted around the end of the second round, which is a great value for Shady McCoy, mm-hmm. right? If you think he's going to finish right. So Shady McCoy, is he RB15 or better? I don't think so. You don't think so? All right, why not? Mm, not this year. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is on possibly the worst team in the league. They're either going to have Josh Allen, who couldn't even complete a pass in Wyoming. You guys know him. We, we're all not. Timmy. I like eh. Josh Allen. I think I still think he's going to be good. Not for nothing. I don't like Josh Allen either, but we said the same thing about the Bills last year, and they made the playoffs. <laughs> right, but it's a different story last year because at least they had an offensive had line that was Taylor all right. Too. They had Tyrod Taylor back there. This year, that offensive line is in absolute shambles. Yeah, and they just they have no weapons. They, they still have Charles Clay. Just a mediocre tight end. He's gonna do what he does. Their receivers are a joke. Zay Jones was, he was just awful. Like from a sabermetric standpoint last year, and I mean, Kelvin Benjamin is basically a tight end. Kelvin Benjamin is can't run anymore. Apparently, who saw that coming? But I mean, Shady is just he hit thirty years old, the thirty year old wall. If you believe in that, um, it it scares me a bit personally. He's hit thirty years old. He has to. He's gonna be forced to touch the ball a million times. As long as he's on, as long as he's on the field, which I think obviously keeps him in the top twenty-four running backs. I just I think there's a bunch of running backs with a lot more upside on better teams and in better situations. Number Fire, uh, who does fantasy sports uh, numbers, great site. They put up a study, a kind of an article about the threshold of a player. They looked into is thirty really the ending of running backs, and they saw that more than thirty, the age. What really gets running back is the number 1,800 carries. LaShawn McCoy passed that threshold before last season. So he's coming from all those carries to a season where he is getting more, almost as many carries as he's gotten all of his career or, and as many touches last season where his usage rate was, was one of the highest of his career. And now you're not only asking him to beat the odds once, you're beating, asking him to beat the odds twice with a team that might pick first in the league. So, Jason, what say you about Shady McCoy? <laughs> running back 14 or better? This is funny. So, I'm laughing 15 because or better. 15. running back 15 last season in standard leagues was Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so, better or worse than Christian McCaffrey he last He averaged season? 9.3 points a game in standard. So, we're talking about 93 yards without a touchdown. So, LaShawn McCoy is someone we all know can catch the ball and run with the ball right yeah. last year he had what 1500 combined yards he's not just gonna go away they have a rookie running back and they have an old running back they have a rookie quarterback and an old running back wouldn't you want to ride the running back help ease in the quarterback josh allen with a star running back no one's just put all the load on LaShawn mccoy no one's saying mccoy's not gonna get the carries but he's on a terrible team there's only so much a person can do last year in the games where they got either blown out or lost he he wasn't the same guy when when they lost last season. He surpassed 100 yards rushing one time. He had seven games last year with 50 rushing yards or less. Four of them were 25 rushing yards or less. But doesn't it say something? Last year he ended as a running back one, top 12, right? More than half of his games he ended outside the running back top 20. That's that's so what a, scares me. But a little more consistency. I, I don't think that's gonna happen though because the Bills are even, even without worse. consistency. The Bills the are possibly 12. the worst two of the in the top two worst teams in the league this year. So Michael says under. Jason says over. Well, depending how you look at it. Look, depending on look at it. Like Jason <laughs> says better than fifteen. Have, Michael says worse. I have him ranked at fourteen. But look, all right. So slightly better. So but let's talk about someone who's been not inconsistent but still has that wide receiver one title because he's so good when he's good. That he could be a wide receiver one, even when he sucks. And I'm talking about Julio Jones. Julio Jones, he had 11 times last year where he finished as a wide receiver three or worse. 11 times. Still finished amongst the top wide receivers. So, with that being said, Julio Jones has had a tendency, because he doesn't score touchdowns, to disappear. If he's not getting the the, the catches, he disappears. Right? Over under eight games. So, half the season. 
where Julio Jones is a wide receiver three or worse this season, which would be an improvement of three games. Pretty certain I'm going to disagree with Michael here. Michael's high on the Falcons. I'm going to assume you're going over. Well, oh, under. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it again. Less so than eight. <laughs> better or worse. Yeah. There, there you go. Maybe we um, should rename this to better or worse. Better or worse. <laughs> it's probably a better fit. I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'm going to say worse than eight games. Uh, so, dude. Four, dude, no. <laughs> I mean, dope, last dope. year was 11, right? You said? Last year was so 11. So, you're looking at me like that's blasphemous. Eight games. <laughs> In a down year. Where he had 1,400 yards. Who is calling yards. it a down year? He just didn't score touchdowns. He had 1,400 yards. There's a lot of people calling it a down year. All right. Four of the last five seasons, if you want to look at his not down years, he has six or less touchdowns. So what I'm going to do here is cap it at six. I'm being generous. Wait, could I, could I he argue has, this point already? What? He had six touchdowns, right? Right. Eight touchdowns, six touchdowns, and then three the last four years. The year before that, he played five games and had two touchdowns. Fine. I'm not counting that. Okay, year. fine. <laughs> but even the six, six, eight, and three averages out to like five point five. Yeah, so let's give it six. So I'm gonna give it six. That's a four year total. Get out of here. Quick math. That's a four year total. That's enough evidence. <laughs> so we're going with six touchdowns. So when you look at last season, the wide receiver twenty four. That's the worst wide receiver two. T. Y. Hilton. Average seven point four points a game standard. So that's 74 yards without a touchdown. So Julio Jones always has his beast games, right? So let's give him that. Let's give him bucks. Let's give him three beast games. Three beast <laughs> games. Panthers. That works. I, I think three beast games. If you're gonna give, if you're gonna say he's 180 not, to 250 yards per yeah. game, three and, and he's gonna have that one game where he goes for a 250 and three touchdowns. Okay, because he does it every year. So I'm gonna assume that his three best beast games come with touchdowns. Okay, that leaves three other games. Where he'll catch touchdowns. And maybe multiple touchdowns in some of them. Right? So that's it for his touchdowns now. That leaves 10 games. He needs to surpass 74 yards 8 out of 10 times. And that's only if he's scoring one touchdown a game. Yes. Six times. We're assuming that his beast games aren't going to have multiple touchdowns. I'd like to also point out here, and I know that on VM I get a lot of shit for this, but I'm going to stick by it. He has a quarterback that only threw 20 touchdowns last season. Yes. Okay? Which is a fluke. No, it's not a fluke. Yes, it is. If you look at Matt Ryan's career, the only fluke is the 38 touchdowns. The 38 oh. touchdowns is obviously a fluke, too. He's not going to go out there and throw 38 touchdowns, but he's not a 20-touchdown quarterback. You know what's not a fluke? He was Shanahan. the number two-rated quarterback by PFF standards last year. And exactly, Shanahan isn't a fluke. Sarkeesian. I mean, yeah, but what's wrong with Sarkeesian? 20 touchdowns. That's, That's what's wrong with But that wasn't... No. <laughs> no, man, that's not how it So works, the fact though. that he was ranked number two by PFF and only threw 20 touchdowns is a positive. That's what we're saying here, Tim. I'm not saying it's a positive. I'm just saying regression, positive regression. Regression to the mean. Yes. Okay, so let's say he throws 25 touchdowns. Are all five of those going to Julio? They no. got they got Stephen Ridley. Now he, they got to feed Julio him. Julio has Calvin never caught less Ridley than six season. touchdowns on, before last year in a full season. He's doubling his touchdown output no matter what. Dude, he, he's, in the, he's playing against Carolina Saints and the Buccaneers twice. Each team. Saints have Marshawn Lattimore. Those are going to be tough games. I'll give you those two games. But then the Carolina and Bucks, he tears apart every time. That's true. They play the Bengals. They, they're, who's going to shut him down? The Steelers, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Packers. But doesn't it always seem like Julio Jones shows up against the Marshawn Lattimores? It, it and does, then doesn't do anything? It, it always seems like when, when Julio Jones is the best value in daily, that's when he'll shit the bed the yeah. worst. But we're talking about a guy... Not last year, but whatever. <laughs> so we're talking about a guy here, Julio Jones, who has had over 1,400 yards four years in a row. Two of those years were over 1,550 yards. You're just, you're going to say But every guy, time he's done it in this fashion. Nah, man. All right. So Julio Jones, we got, uh, you guys are like really against Julio each other today. Is severely I picked the right question to ask. I know. Yeah. Dude, right. ended top five last year in all wide receiver standard PPR, half PPR. And he just, you know, eh, he didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> I'm not saying don't draft him, but he's going to. That's true. Yeah. We're not saying don't draft him. Don't be stupid. You're going to dislike Jones. him That's a lot, lot of weeks. technical bust games. All right. My game. Jimmy G. Here's a guy that I know you're Jimmy going to disagree GQ. on. Um, some people are saying Jimmy G is already a top ten quarterback. I don't. I don't want to go there. Fan- we're going to talk fantasy wise. Okay. 
And the thing that scores points of fantasy people is touchdowns, all right? It's the hardest thing to predict, but it is the X factor, especially when you're a quarterback. You need to rack up those touchdowns. Last year, the 10th touchdown, the 10th most touchdowns in the league belonged to Kirk Cousins with 27. So the question to you is if people are putting Jimmy Garoppolo in this top 10 conversation already, does Jimmy Garoppolo end with 27 touchdowns or more this season? More. Oh, we got! I knew it. Uh, how about Michael? Why don't you start with the with the negatory right now? All right. Uh, so Jimmy G, last year when you know he was the the big thing, right? He went to San Francisco. They won every game that he started. This dude hasn't lost a game in his NFL career that he's lost yet, right? But in those five games, Jimmy C, Jimmy G threw seven touchdowns, and he struggled on the opponent side of the field. He, had 50, he threw 55% inside the 20, which is nice, but only 37.5% inside the 10. He, Robbie Gold, in a five-week stretch, those five weeks, had 18 field goal attempts. That's a lot. That's a ridiculous amount of field goal attempts. We were saying it last week. That's basically... He was like an MVP for leagues with kickers. Jason was singing Robbie Gold's praises throughout the whole playoffs. He's he like, won Yo, a championship. Yeah. <laughs> he did very much help him win a championship. And listen, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to be... A good quarterback. I'm a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I have him as my 12th ranked quarterback uh, in my initial rankings. I'm just I'm not trusting a guy who's had a handful of starts in his career going into. I mean, it's not technically a new system. He was there last season, so he has about a third of a season under his belt learning a new system. But he has a brand new. Uh, he has Jarek McKinnon to throw to. They has to build a rapport with Jarek McKinnon. He has. He has solid receivers, but not like he doesn't have a star receiver. He didn't really start a Garcon last year. Yeah, he did. Good uh, Garcon was out. Yeah, but Goodwin and Garcon, those are nice receivers, but they're not star receivers. George Kittle's a nice tight end, but he's not a huge difference maker. At least I don't think he'll be a huge difference maker this season. He'll be a solid tight end, but he's not. He's not Rob Gronkowski. Right. He just doesn't have the the red zone weapons and. I just I th- I think he throws between like twenty two to twenty five touchdowns. Jason, you're on the Jimmy G train. You had him on your rankings at one point as high as two, but I think now down to four. Um, I, I said that a little sarcastically. Right now, I have him at seven. Seven. Okay. And so the overall rankings basically right behind Kirk Cousins. Look, I have him at four. I'm big on Jimmy G this year, uh, but that's because I'm big on his weapons. I think Jack McKinnon's gonna have a big year. I think Marcus Goodwin is gonna come out and surprise a lot of people this year. Now, I'm a big fan of Marquise Goodwin, too. With that being said, Jason, you say he's going to throw over. Why? All right. So let me settle this small sample size argument here. Let's settle it, Tim. You know what? I'm not even going to settle it. I'm going to use it to my advantage because if we're going to extrapolate over five games, I'm going to do it to my advantage. So you want to talk about how he had seven touchdowns over five games. Extrapolated over 16 games. It's like 22 touchdowns. How many touchdowns did he have in the final two? Four. Two now, a game. Here we go. Now he's going to extrapolate. Two times 16 four. is what? <laughs> 32. 32. That's more than 27. He's going to throw arguing. two touchdowns a game throwing a Let Goodwin me continue. and Kittle. Who did he do this against? Chicago, Houston, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Los Angeles. Who are the best two defenses there? Jacksonville and Los Angeles. That's true. The two defenses he faced last. One of them at home, one of them on the road. So you got... Uh, Evidence there, too, right? So we're looking at a guy who faced the Bears on the road. The Bears were good at home last year. We sang their praises a lot. He didn't do well. No no touchdowns, one interception. Went on the road to Houston, one touchdowns, one interception. Then finally came home, Tennessee, one touchdown, zero interception. Settled down a bit. And then he went to Jacksonville and Los Angeles and realized he's a stud. <laughs> he realized he's a stud. Also, not to mention, he had 1,560 yards. He has a safe floor. Yards wise, I always like getting quarterbacks with safe floors. We're not with discussing yards. The yards, though. Right, there's That's no true. doubt he'll throw over. Like, I I think he'll reach four thousand. I think four thousand is a lot. Also, talk about all the field goals. Well, let's look at the games against Chicago. Gold had five field goals against Houston. Four against Tennessee. Six. Then you look at Jacksonville and Los Angeles. One and two. Also, one last point. What did Matt Ryan do his second year in Kyle Shanahan system? One MVP, thirty-eight touchdowns. I, and I will Not say this. Second year. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I was gonna say. I think some, something you guys aren't even mentioning is that he's been there long enough. No, because last year, when when you're talking about being efficient in the red zone, you're talking about a guy who got traded there, had one bye week to prepare, and then was kind of learning the offense on the fly to play quarterback in the NFL, especially going from a place like uh, New England to a place like 
uh, San Francisco, it's, it's on a different coast, a completely different mindset of coach. So you have to learn that system. And you can see as Jimmy G got better, it's because he got more comfortable with his surroundings. And I think uh, oh, offense, I mean, uh, offseason is going to make a world of difference for Jimmy G this year. Um, speaking of an offseason, uh, rookie running backs did not have an offseason last year. In fact, the top two rookie running backs, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara, had great years last year. Right. And the more it, we see more and more and more and more rookie running backs are kind of taking the league by storm. Right. It's not like it used to be. It's not like the guys who grind and grind and grind until they're 30. Right. It's because they're so involved in the passing game now. Right. It's the young guys with the young legs. So here's my question. There's a lot of rookies or the tree out there. legs. <laughs> Hashtag Saquon. There's a lot of rookie running backs out there that have a, a chance to succeed. You got Saquon Barkley. You got Darius Geis, who I'm super high on this year. The more I look into him, the more I, I love the opportunity that he's going to get in Washington. I like Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is another one. Uh, Royce Freeman in Denver is another one. Carry uh, on Johnson, maybe even Ronald in Detroit. Jones. Ronald Jones has a chance. All right, there's a lot of Naheem rookie. Hines. Naheem yeah. Hines, maybe. So Jordan Wilkins. A lot. So there's a lot of rookie running backs that got a chance to make an impact. But here's the thing. Does any rookie running back make the same impact that Kareem Hunt made last season, or even Alvin Kamara, who finished as a running back three and four last season? So, you know, the official question is, over under running back three or four, let's say four, for a rookie running back this year? And I... I like guys, but I'm, what I'm really asking you is, is Saquon Barkley going to be the number four running back? We're that's basically, what, yeah. yeah. That's basically what I'm asking. So, can Saquon... <clears throat> so, I like Saquon Barkley. I like him a lot this year, but the problem I have is that it's hard to be running back. Yeah, it's forward. hard. It's fucking hard. <laughs> so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you guys why I like Saquon Barkley, but then I'm going to tell you that it's probably not going to be running back four. Okay. Uh... Kareem Hunt last season was running back four. He had 1,782 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's steep. Like, that's it's very steep. Last year, Alvin Kamara, that was Kareem Hunt's numbers. Kamara ended just behind him. Then it was Melvin Gordon. And then Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy. So the point I'm trying to make is it's a stacked field. This year, David Johnson is back. As you can tell, it's not suspended for any portion of the season. Uh, <clears throat> Le'Veon Bell is there. Todd Gurley, even though that's four right there. And then you got to consider the other people in that territory. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Cook. So I'm not going to say – I'm going to say he's not going to be running back four, but let me tell you why I like Saquon Barkley. Uh, Pat Shermer. In Pat Shermer, we trust. Uh, last Weird. season, the Vikings, Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator. They drafted Dalvin Cook, and he ran him to the ground, literally. He injured him. 71 touches in three games. If you um, extended that over 16 games, I would have been second in the league. So he doesn't shy away from giving his rookie running backs the ball. Behind Le'Veon, I'm guessing? Probably. I don't know that number, but probably Le'Veon. Maybe Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley was the answer answer this time. But Pat Shermer used to coach another team, another team that drafted Trent Richardson. (laughs) And what did Trent Richardson do his rookie year? He had 267 carries and 70 targets. And really, it was the only time Trent Richardson could even be considered good. Pat Shermer convinced us that Trent Richardson was good. Uh, <laughs> off pure volume. Simply dude. by giving him the ball a lot. And now we're talking about Saquon Barkley, Mr. Tree Legs over here, Mr. Spark Athlete. So, I mean, the floor for him is so little. The ceiling is so high. Not to mention that this guy got drafted number two overall. Yeah, yeah. And a, a life, the shelf life of a running back is not great. So the Giants are going to run the crap out of him for as long as they can. And it's going to start this year. Yeah. Dave Gettleman drafted uh, McCaffrey last year, seventh overall or eighth, was it? One of those two. He, he had over 200 touches. He comes to New York, even though Eli's 37 years old and they need a quarterback. That he goes ahead and drafts a running back. We get into that another time. And Barkley's <laughs> better than McCaffrey. Now that they have Saquon Barkley... I expect them to just be used tremendously the whole year. They're gonna they haven't had a actual running game probably since like Earth, Wind and Fire combination of Derek Ward, Brandon Jacobs, and Maud Bradshaw. And now they got Saquon Barkley who's who people believe is like better than all three of those guys combined. Probably is. Yeah. And now he 
I, I expect him to get over 300 touches. Easily. I think I think 300 is would probably be a floor. I, I have a number here. Uh, of the last nine rookie running backs drafted in the top 10 who saw 200 carries. Not even 300. We're talking about 200. They averaged almost 1,470 yards and 10 touchdowns. Averaged? Averaged. Wow. No playing around. Yeah, for real. So if he's average considering the talent we're and talking about average. here. 1,470 and 10 is his floor. And these people, all these people didn't have Pat Shermer. <laughs> and honestly, if we're, I think he's going to outdo Hunt. The top four question is a little tougher because we got Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, and, and, Zeke. Uh, and Zeke. David Johnson, I feel like he could. I think if it's going to be one of those four guys, it's going to be either David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, depending on Bell's workload. Interesting. I like David Johnson to finish as the best fantasy player overall this year. I know I'm in the minority, but... Riding the DJ train. Yo, this guy was the consensus number one overall player, had one of the best seasons ever, and then missed a year because of his wrist. So much has changed, though. He missed a year. Arians is gone. Uh... Which is even Rosen is probably gonna be QB. Which might be even better because he'll get fed the ball more. I no, really, I really it's like impossible him to for run him fed the ball more than he did in 2016. <laughs> that's, that, that's true. Um, in 2016, he was the consensus number one pick, and I think it's fair to say that he busted. 2017. Right? 2017. Excuse me. Course, he busted. He, he was a giant yeah. bust. Yeah. All right. The last two years, 42 percent of the players that were drafted in the first round have busted. So the question I'm gonna present to you is gonna kind of be a tricky question. Okay. Over or under five players that are going to be new this time next year in the first round. Okay, so interesting. What's five twelve percentage wise? Five With twelve kid. percentage wise is a it's about forty four ish. So basically on par with the last two years of forty two percent, right? Right. So around like four, let's let's go over the 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 top picks. What they would be this year. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Brown, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ, Leonard Fournette. And then you could say that these guys are in the conversation. Julio Jones, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt. Michael Thomas, too. Michael Thomas also in that yeah. conversation. A guy that I'm going to think that I feel is going to finish way higher than projected this year. So it's hard to finish way Keenan higher. Allen as well, if if you're a Chargers fan, might go in the first round. So if you are if you're looking at that list. How many of those guys could be replaced with new guys? But every year, right? It's every year. You look year. at that and you think, no, no, he's going to be these? great. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this year, I don't know, this year's stacked. It is stacked. I, I feel like, like it like hasn't been this stacked in so long. Last like, year was stacked too, though. My first guess would be Leonard Fournette. I feel like he's just, he's not going to, uh, with the lingering ankle injury, his, uh, his, his lack of pr- productivity just overall if last Alvin year. Kamara loses some efficiency. I was going to say Alvin Kamara is one of those guys who as as much as I believe in what he does, he is the like definition of second year bust in fantasy. Oh, hey, hey, hey. He is he is now I'm not saying to that be the, to be the fifth overall player like you ranked him, that's a And th- I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but he is kind of the prototype of what it looks like when it does happen. All right, so let's look at this at the opposite end of the spectrum then. Who's people that can jump in? Yeah. All right. Who, who, One who, guy. We could say, I mean, technically Julio's out of the first round. Julio can jump back in. Okay, so Julio can jump back in. If he catches, if Julio catches eight or more touchdowns this year, I know we just said he probably won't. But if he does, he's easily back in that first what about round. Your, what about your boy, Jarek McKinnon? I, listen, I have a man crush on Jarek McKinnon last year. They, this year. They went out and they paid that man. And not for nothing, Jarek McKinnon was on my squad last year. And he was tremendous for me. He was. And they went out and they paid him big bucks. And they replaced Carlos Hyde, who, not for nothing, was the 100th best player he was great in the NFL year. Top 100. Yeah. Right? So his peers say he's the 100th best player. They kick him, cast him aside, and they pay McKinnon all this money. And Shanahan made it known that this is his guy. Right? So He fits the Shanahan mold perfectly. You're put, he's basically Devonta Freeman. Two years and ago. Tevin Coleman. Because, no, well, I think, I actually think Mac Burita has a chance to be Tevin Coleman. I like Burita. That's the, that's the, I don't think Burita's going to be used as a third see, down back, though. That's you how I feel. He's, he's probably not going to be used as much as Tevin Coleman was. Though. Maybe not. Maybe he will be. But either way, Jarek McKinnon has that dual threat ability, and he's built almost the exact same way Devonta Freeman so is. Got, like, they, their measurables are literally the same. So we got McKinnon. We got Julio Jones. McKinnon's 
McKinnon's smaller. McKinnon's under 210 pounds, which is a bit of an outlier for running backs, which is a little worrisome with well, the injury history as well. Devonta Freeman is not that much, not that much heavier. And I, I'll get the exact height and weight of him in a second, but he's not that much heavier. What about Dalvin Cook? You could think Dalvin Cook can can work Cook his way into that first round. Yeah, Cook is definitely an option. Jordan Howard. I love Jordan Howard this year. And the Matt Nagy offense, I, I feel like he's being way too undervalued. What about, I'm going to throw out a guy, Doug Baldwin. If he kills it this year, I feel like Doug Baldwin's at his, like, he, max he is value, though. But people just hear the name Doug Baldwin. I feel like it's too boring of a name to reach the first round. Jimmy Graham led the league in red zone targets last year. He's not no, yeah, anymore. I love Doug Baldwin this year, but. I don't know if people would take him in the first round. Well, he could. A year. Uh, Mike Evans, maybe. Mike Evans could back in there. Oh, what about Devontae Freeman? Devontae Devont- Freeman. He could. Looking up right now. Speaking of, speaking <laughs> of, Defo- a lot of options. Speaking here. of Devontae Freeman, according to uh, Pro Football Reference, Devonta Freeman, 5'8", 206 pounds. Jarek McKinnon, 5'9", 205 pounds. All right. Yeah. You weren't lying about directly on the nose, same people. They're almost the same person. Shanahan. They're off by an inch and a, and a pound. Shanahan uh, dreams about 5'9", 205. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like That's the exact type of person that he wanted to draft, and McKinnon has like the track record. He yeah. was the main guy last year, and he played very well. I'm going to grow an inch, gain some weight, and head over to Kyle Shanahan's house. What about Dark Horse to get into the first round next year? Sony Michelle. Do you know what it is? I am so... Steven Ridley-esque? I feel like, though, the Patriots running backs are the easiest to decipher than they ever have been now. Am I, like, wrong? Sony Michelle was a first-round pick. Well, who do they have there? They have James White. We know his role. And then we have Rex Burkhead. We know his role. What, what, what is Rex Burkhead's role? To be, a, to be a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I know. But what if he's the Swiss Army? It's not Ar- to be the lead back. But we've seen. The spell. Look, Deion Lewis was supposed to be the Swiss Army knife last year and not be the lead back. And what happened? He became the lead back. Exactly. Well, Rex Burkhead has his role, but it was the Deion Lewis be great role. great in that role. I like Rex Burkhead this year, but no, it wasn't the Deion Lewis role. Well, it was before he got all the carries that came with Mike Gillis' struggles. Lewis basically took over Gillis' role, not right. Burkhead. But yeah, right. So what I'm saying is, we thought we knew the role for Lewis, and that role was Burkhead's role. All right, let me ask you a question: If Deion Lewis was on the Patriots again this year, would he be? He'd probably be a second round pick. I don't know because Michelle Fair. does put Maybe. a little. If Michelle wasn't drafted and they kept Deion Lewis, all right, yes, second round. All right, I'm I'm down with that. I I drafted. So him if he round. takes Deion Lewis's role, there's potential for a first round pick next year. Okay, all right, you've convinced me. Me not so you much, but I'll let it happen. I, I'm not going to say. Slide. I mean, I'm not we're, gonna, we're just looking for people. That's true. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I admit it that can. it could. Okay. All right. <laughs> there you go. I'll take it. <laughs> so. That's all for our over-unders. Over-under six million times that we argue about something this year during this po- on this podcast. Over. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, we have a special guest for you. We actually recorded this in advance. But through the magic of sound editing and all that great stuff, we are going to give you <laughs> Jim Day. He, again, goes by at Fantasy Taz on Twitter. He is a writer for Fighting Chance Fantasy. We asked him a whole bunch of questions from how do you feel about specific players to what's your favorite type of league to play in. He's actually played in a lot of interesting leagues. This is an interesting one to listen to. So um, with that being said, without further ado, here is... Is Mr. Jim Day. So joining us now is Jim Day. Jim goes by at Fantasy Taz on Twitter. He is a writer for Fighting Chance Fantasy. Uh, Jim, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Always, uh, always fun to talk football. Yeah, for sure. And you know, football's around the corner. And we, what we like to do here is we like to talk about fantasy of course but also we'd like to talk about the game of fantasy itself right i feel like not enough people talk about the game of fantasy and there's so many ways of playing the game of fantasy you could have 10 man leagues 12 man leagues 8 man leagues 100 man leagues uh auction drafts daily uh whatever how as many options as you could possibly have so first and foremost uh before we get into the juicy details what is the type of fantasy like if you had your ideal fantasy league what type of fantasy are you playing well i have had my ideal fantasy league it's called utter chaos okay um (laughs) i like leagues that are different i don't like cookie cutter leagues i don't like you know the basic steroid leagues that you know some of these guys call different 
Those aren't different. I like games that really put you in a different place when you're drafting. You have to really think about it. Now, this this league I did under chaos was a league where it was a start-two quarterback league, but you only started one running back. You could only roster three running backs. Wow. And a defensive tackle could score as much as a top running back. That... So you, how, how do you feel about playing with defensive guys? Are you a fan of that? Uh, I've been playing IDP since it started. Do you like it? Do you recommend it? Because I, I will say, like, I'm oh, in... I, I love, I love IDP. Again, it takes it to a different level. Yeah. Um, it takes a little more work and it takes a little bit more study time. Uh, but once you get a good feel for it, then it, it's pretty simple to go on. And yeah, I like it. Again, I like leagues that push you further, make you have to think differently when you're playing. That's all. Yeah, I feel like that playing IDP is definitely a completely separate game because then you got to take into account tackles, interceptions, and just all all around defensive players. When usually all you have to worry about is a team shutting out the Cardinals or something for that day, yeah. which is a crazy difference. I also used to uh, run a league called the Guillotine, and every week the team that won a matchup got to steal a player from the other team oh. and give them one in return. Damn, that's nuts. That must have been something. How how did that even turn uh, out? Uh, it, it worked out good. It was a cutthroat league, and it <laughs> uh, went right down to the wire with three strong teams. And you know, one team ended up scooping up somebody just before the playoffs that really pushed them all the way to the end. So as you can see, uh, many different ways to play fantasy. So let's get into the game itself. So you guys have your own rankings on Fighting Chance Fantasy, and. Um, we want to know, is there anyone that you're looking at right now that is going well below the average draft position that you think, just some names that you think should go out there and you should gra- scoop them up before people are taking them? Well, it's not so much you should scoop them up, but there's definitely players out there you should be keeping an eye on that are going later in, in drafts that shouldn't be. Um, and I'm going to start with a perennial favorite of mine. I've been harping him up all off season. Uh, nobody seems to really be listening yet, so that's okay for me. I like it because I haven't been most of my leagues. And that's tight end Benjamin Watson. Mm. Um, you know, he's going back to New Orleans this year. He's going back to Drew Brees, where in two, 2015, he had his best season as a pro with Drew Brees uh, when he caught 74 balls for 825 yards and six touchdowns. And everybody's saying, oh, but he's 37. You know what? This is a guy who finished last year uh, as the number 11 tight end in PPR leagues with 61 catches for 522 yards and four touchdowns. So, you know, not the greatest numbers, but now he goes back to Drew Brees. Bruce Brees loves to throw to his tight ends. And, you know, his only player that he has to worry about is Josh Hill. And Josh Hill has never had a season where he had more than 176 receiving yards. So he doesn't even have to worry there. What 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 about last time he played for the Saints? Though he didn't have that two-headed monster out of the backfield that, you, and and the different it's kind of a different offensive scheme where that backfield wasn't getting as many passes. Does that scare you at all about Benjamin Watson? No, because Benjamin Watson gives them a different feel mm. than what the guys out of the backfield are going to do. You know they'll be able to get theirs as well. But Breeze likes to be able to work his tight ends over the middle, and that's what you're going to see a lot of out of Benjamin Watson. Hey Jim, Jason here. Um, so since we're on the topic of tight ends, I'll hop in with one of my favorites, and I've convinced my brothers for the most part to jump on the bandwagon as well. I was wondering what your take is on George Kittle this season. Well, I, I, you know, there's not enough to really be said yet because we haven't really seen enough of him. But what we did see was definitely encouraging. This San Francisco offense should be uh, a little bit on the rise. But I also think there's several players on this team that are being overdrafted. And, you know, Kittle might be one of those. Um, He's just a guy who has some upside, but it's really going to depend on who Garoppolo really falls in love with this offseason. I mean, I know they went out and got Jarek McKinnon, who's a guy I'm not really high on. They do get Garcon back this year. Goodwin had a good season last year when Garcon was out. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out and what we actually see from Garoppolo. He's another one. He's just being way too overvalued, in my opinion, where he's being drafted. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually very skeptical with Garoppolo coming in to this season as a top quarterback. My brothers are a bit more uh, bullish on Garoppolo. I'm with you here. I'm, 
I, I saw his red zone troubles a bit last year. And just the question marks of never really playing a full season in the NFL. But uh, we're... Well, well, just look at it this way. In the five games that he started, they kicked more field goals than they did in the other 11 games combined. Yeah, Robbie Gold was basically an MVP the last five seasons for kicker leagues. Let me... But there's one point you can make there. It's also the fact that they were getting into field goal range. They were scoring. And they weren't doing that without Garoppolo. I'm sorry, I didn't hear exactly what you said there at the end. Uh, so the point being that the field goals means that they were getting into field goal range. They were getting to the other opponent's territory, whereas without Garoppolo, they couldn't even sniff the other side of the field. Well, no, actually, it really means that once he got into the red zone, he couldn't score. You can look at it both you ways. Know, he only threw seven <laughs> touchdowns in those five and a two, five starts and two passes uh, <laughs> last year. So it wasn't like he lit up the scoring with the touchdowns. I, you know, I'm, I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I just think he's being overdrafted, taken ahead of guys that have been perennial top twelves, which to me just does not make any sense. I feel like the. I feel like the quarterback uh, pool is kind of like a top two or three guys and then kind of everyone descending towards the same amount of points for the most part. There's not much separation between 4 and 12. But there's one guy in that mix that could change everything if he's healthy, and that's Andrew Luck. Uh, it's It's impossible to know exactly what to expect from Andrew Luck at this point. But if you're in a league and you're drafting, let's say, tomorrow, and you have a chance to draft Andrew Luck, do you, do you take that chance? It depends on where I am in the draft. Um, you know, it really depends on how many quarterbacks have already been taken. I am definitely a draft-a-quarterback-late guy. Uh, there's some guys I like really late that I'll just wait and wait on. I don't have a problem with it. I know most people are starting to do that now, and that's good because there's a lot of depth at quarterback. You should be able to have to wait. Let some of those guys take, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, the Deshaun Watson real early. Hold on, wait a, a while. I mean, you can get Philip Rivers usually as like the 15th or 16th quarterback off the board, and there's only been one season in his career that he started where he wasn't a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one. I've oh, last year Philip Rivers was my MVP pick. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way, but I'm all aboard the Chargers train. So I'm waiting and drafting Philip Rivers every chance I get. So I mean, there's a. Talking with the original question with Andrew Luck, um, there's a couple of guys that are going to miss a couple games to start the season this year. Uh, most notably, Mark Ingram. Maybe even Le'Veon Bell might miss eight games. If you're in a situation like that now, where could you? Where do you draft a guy if he's missing four to eight games in a season? Are you comfortable drafting him with a high pick? Because I know Mark Ingram's going around the fifth round right now, and Le'Veon Bell's going with the third pick still in these drafts. So, what? Do, what's your thoughts on those guys? Well. With the eight games, I don't see Bell doing that. Um, he loses another year uh, off his, his contract of being accessible to free agency, and that hurts him. I don't see him doing that. Um, you know. But with the four-game suspension of Ingram, you know, as long as I can get him as my running back three this year, I'll take the shot at him. Because even though Alvin Kamara had an outstanding season, this is Ingram's last year in – New Orleans more than likely. And if that's the case, they're just going to run him to the ground when he comes back. They don't have any interest in him next year, so why not use him as much as they can this year once he gets back? And if that's the case, you're going to see a big split between the two of them going forward. And with the offensive philosophy you were talking about of them moving more towards that rushing game, I see both of these guys putting up decent numbers once Ingram gets back. Yeah, we definitely agree with you. We're pretty high on Ingram as well this season. I wanted to ask you, we're actually generally a lot higher than him on most people. We have him as our 40th ranked player overall. So when we're looking at the people around him that we're drafting over him are Larry Fitzgerald, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Cooks, Sony Michelle. Are you drafting them before him? We're drafting those people after him. So would you say, oh, after him. Okay. Would you say you're on that boat as well, a little further back? Well, I mean, you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. I haven't seen Larry Fitzgerald go to the fifth round in any draft recently, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, you know, some of the other guys you mentioned 
are guys that I definitely would take him in front of, and one of them is definitely one of the guys you mentioned is Joe Mixon. Uh, I am definitely not as high on, on Mixon as most people are. As a matter of fact, I think Mixon is going to be a bust according to where he's being drafted right now. Yeah, here's a great stat for you. And this actually wasn't mine. This was uh, from a guy on Twitter called Jacob uh, Rick Road at, at Clutch Fantasy. He showed that last year Joe Mixon had 178 attempts for 626 yards or a 3.5 yard per carry. Bilal Powell and Orleans Darkwa both outrushed Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon definitely last year, and, and, and you know there's a lot of correlation between the opportunity you get and where you finish in the fantasy rankings. And in terms of him, he got a, a good amount of workload, but finished well below where he should have in terms of the workload. How much of that do you think is just a rookie being a rookie, though? Like, is there? Well, any- I don't know. He played in under forty percent of the offensive snaps. He's got Giovanni Bernard breathing down his neck another year removed from his ACL injury. So, you know, last year we saw Bernard, you know, rushing better than Mixon. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this turns out to be a full-fledged committee at this point. And, uh, you know, not even just in the passing attack where Bernard is definitely more more of a player there, but also in the running game. I mean, you know, one of the things of PFF, Pro Football Focus, had Joe Mixon ranked 49th out of a possible 53 running backs in their elusive rating. That's not good. No, certainly not. We're going to agree with you there. We are not the biggest Joe Mixon fans. I do want to ask you and about... He's coming, he's coming off the board as the 14th running back taken. I think that's ludicrous. Same. That's absurd. Uh, talk about a running back being taken a little later. We have him ranked as our 30th running back. You have him at 22 on your website. So convince us about why we should draft Carlos Hyde. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. Um, again, Carlos Hyde is a one-year guy, going to be a one-year guy in Cleveland. I know they signed him to a three-year contract, but that contract is really a one-year, $5 million contract. They have the option to opt out next year. So, you know, again, this is going to be a guy where they're going to want Nick Chubb to learn the offense. He's going to get his touches, but I, I, I see him limited in the beginning to eight to ten touches a game. Depending on how he does with them, we might see that increase. But Carlos Hyde, you know, he's a guy that they're going to run because they can. And, he, you know, he's coming off a decent season, um, you know, and he's going to get plenty of chances in this this offense. And the only thing that scares me more than anything is that all of a sudden there are a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland. And, I, you know, I want to see how that works out. Uh, speaking of Cleveland, Cleveland is obviously in a position where they drafted Baker Mayfield with the first overall pick, and they're one of a few teams that have a chance to have a young quarterback take over, a rookie quarterback. So which one of the rookie quarterbacks, let's say you're in the two quarterback leagues that don't limit the amount of uh, quarterbacks that you could pick up, if you were going to stash a rookie quarterback who had the best chance to succeed this season, who do you think has that best chance? There's definitely a few I like. Sam Darnold in, in New York I like. Uh, Josh Allen, I think, has a really good chance. Um, you know, and I guess, gun to my head, I think I would go with Josh Allen. I think he gets the faster chance to start. But uh, Mayfield, you know, it, it really depends. I, I don't see them starting him early. I think they brought in Tyrod Taylor because they like the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over and they're going to use him in to, you know, good – availability at that point so i don't really think he takes over right away but if they really do get off to a bad start he'll jump in there but i think josh allen has a chance to start right away let's keep it in buffalo shady mccoy coming up on 30 a lot of people are you're getting him at a value in a lot of fantasy drafts right now because you're getting him at the end of the second round but at the same time, he's, he's on the other side of 30. Their offensive line is just completely made over. They possibly have a rookie quarterback in the backfield. Not really any weapons on the outside. He's really the main focus of all defenses. Uh, do you think that Shady's worth that value, which in the past would be considered a deal, but it seems to me now it's, it's a little too high to pay for him. So how do you feel about Shady McCoy going into the season? Well, actually, lately, you know, the last week since all the news broke about, mm. you know, the possible incident, and we still don't know if it's true or not. You know, people jump into conclusions and all that. But we've seen him dropping in drafts. I've seen him go as late as the seventh round in some drafts because people just don't know. And while I say just don't know, they don't know not what's 
going to happen to McCoy, but how the NFL is going to deal with it, whether McCoy was involved or not, the NFL can still put him on the exempt list, and he doesn't get a chance to get on the field. And that's where I think it's scaring people off more than anything else. Let's face it, for years he's been doing great in Buffalo with a bad offense. It's not like they've ever had a great offense up there, and he's still got it done. I don't think there's any problem with that. Sean McCoy is going to get his if he's on the field. But at this point, we just don't know if he's going to be on the field, and that scares me more than anything. Mike Williams and Corey Davis, two guys that were high picks in the wide receiver position last year. Um, Both of them have a chance to kind of break out this year. Corey Davis is being drafted in the sixth, seventh round last time I checked. So that's a guy that people are expecting to be like a wide receiver too kind of person mike williams on the other hand not really being drafted at all in some cases um do you think that it's that these guys have a good chance to bounce back in their second years well actually i love mike williams um and actually he's going okay i'm not sure what adp you guys are using but just so you know when i talk adp i usually use the fantasy championship uh contest that my fantasy league and RT Sports run together. And the only reason I use that ADP is because each one of those teams, those guys are paying $250 to play in that league. So you're not really going to have a lot of, you know, messed up picks or, you know, BS, uh, auto picks, things like that. Yeah, there's no These amateurs are pretty in there. good, solid guys that have put a lot of time into it. So mm-hmm. I like that ADP. And Williams is actually coming off the board in the middle of the 11th round in those drafts. Okay. Uh, I think that's great value for this guy. You know, you're talking about the two top wide receivers that came out of the draft that year. Um, Corey Davis should have every chance to be the guy in Tennessee. Uh, Mariota looks healthy. He finally got the knee brace off his knee. If he gets back to being that guy we saw moving around back in the day, I think he's definitely going to be an improvement. And Corey Davis should see a big uptick in his his numbers this year, but I like Mike Williams. Mike Williams was the best receiver that came out of college in that draft. And, you know, last year he just never got a chance to do anything. He missed the entire offseason because of injury, missed the first month of the season because of that injury. And then, you know, when he got there, he just never really got a chance to fit in because he missed so much time. He's got a full offseason now, and I think we're going to really see him come to the front here. Uh, You know, he's going to play on the outside probably – opposite Tyrell Williams, and, uh, you know, I think he's just a better receiver than Tyrell Williams, so I think we're going to see him start to shine. I, I, I agree with you. I love me some I love me some Mike Williams this year. I'm, I'm on the opposite spectrum as you two. I'm a, I'm a big-time Tyrell Williams guy. I'm all over him this year. I'm going to try to get him any chance I get. I feel like he he's always performed better with Hunter Henry off the field. Hunter Henry's out the year now, and I don't know, Mike Williams, he just – he wasn't able to get into football form last year. And I know he has the whole offseason, but it, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before he could really make an impact. I'm definitely taking Tyrell Williams over over Mike Williams. Well, uh, tell, tell me why, though. I mean, you're looking at Tyrell Williams, you know, had a depressing 2017. only had 43 receptions, 728 yards. I mean, he had a good 2016 uh, with 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. That's nice. That's good numbers, but nothing to, to write home about. You know, in 2017, he had, what, is, what did I say, three games over 60 yards that year. Um, he had five games over 10 fantasy points. Those aren't going to put you over the top in any way, shape, or form. And this was without Mike Williams on the field. I think with Mike Williams on the field, he's going to take a lot of that stuff away from Tyrell Williams. I agree with you. See, I I'm a, I understand the, the slow 2017 for Tyrell Williams, but that's also part of the bounce back factor that I like about him this year of why he's going so late because he was only 61st in the league in targets and he turned that into 37th in receiving yards so he made up for the lack of targets with uh his performance he 17 yards per reception is a pretty impressive number he was 14th in the league in yards after the catch he had four touchdowns even though he wasn't really using the red zone he had one red zone target and 23 red zone targets are now opened up with Henry and Gates gone uh, I'm just I feel like Tyrell Williams is going to take advantage of this spot. You know who that sounds like? That sounds like a lot like Mike Wallace. Mm. That, a guy that you can't count on week to week, but he'll give you three or four great games a year, but the rest of the time you'll be lucky to get three or four receptions out of him for 40 yards. Uh, 
So speaking of speaking, of, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I'm gonna switch the topic to another running back here. Since we're on the topic of the Chargers, Melvin Gordon is someone I love. I like him higher than uh, a lot of the early pick running backs. And I see here that on your website you have Dalvin Cook ranked ahead of Barkley, Kamara, Hunt, uh, Gordon, Fournette, all those players. So why are you so much higher on Dalvin Cook to take him in front of those workhorses? Okay, well, j- just so you know. None of those rankings were done by me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were the two head guys on the site, Steve Rep and, and uh, Ryan Hallam. Those, mm. That's their rankings. I haven't put mine up yet. But I do have Dalvin Cook ahead of him. Just because, first of all, Gordon, Gordon has, to have, has to have a ton of touches to get the numbers he has. His, his average yards per carry is not very good. Uh, he's not really that explosive. He needs to see the ball over 300 times a year to put up the numbers. And I'm not saying he won't do that. He has every chance of doing that again and being a top 12 running back again. I don't take that away from him. I just think Dalvin Cook takes his game to a whole new level. Um, you know, and I know it's definitely something that's concerning him coming off the big injury, no doubt. But this guy, when he was on the field, was just in a different level than Gordon when it comes to true running back ability. And if he gets anywhere close to that again, I'm taking him at the end of the first, beginning of the second round, every draft I can. So uh, most of the time when drafts happen, there's always first-round busts. And a lot of, there's a lot of good talent going in the first round this year. It always seems like every, every year the entire first round is can't miss, but it never happens that way. What's one guy that's going in the first round where you think is just going to bust his way out of that first round? Uh, that's, a, you know, that's a tough question. There's definitely guys, and you're right to think that it's an issue because basically out of the last two seasons, there's actually been 10 out of the 24 original 12 picks each season – 10 total, that have not finished that season and top 12 at their position. 10 players out of 24. That's 42% of the first-round picks in the last two years didn't finish top 12 at their position. So that's definitely a big number, number to be concerned of. And, you know, once you bring that stat up, a lot of people automatically think that it's all running backs that provide that issue. And it's really not. It's been five running backs and five wide receivers over the last two years. So it's a very evenly matched thing that these receivers and what and running backs, there's going to be at least four or five of these guys that don't perform up to where they're being drafted. And right now, you know, push comes to shove. If I had to grab one off this list that I really think doesn't finish in the top 12, ooh, uh, I'm going to have to go with Leonard Fournette. Um, he's going into 12th pick in a lot of these drafts. And to me, I, you know, first of all, you got to deal with the foot issues and whether or not he can keep that up. And Always a question. Second of all, you know, they went out and got a good uh, second running back to back him up again and, you know, do some more damage to his numbers. I think the, the passing offense is going to be a little better with Dante Moncrief on the field. I just don't know if I trust him at that point. Yeah, I'm with you, Jim. I, I actually had uh, Leonard Fournette as my biggest bust of the year candidate in last week's episode. I'm, I'm with you. I The foot scares me. They, they signed Corey Grant, the second-round tender. I feel like they want him more involved. And Fournette just didn't look like a beast last year like the other guys ahead of him did, in my opinion. So, outside of that, what's a guy that you think could – work his way who's not in the first round right now but could work his way into the first round come this time next year who do you think put stands out this year and puts himself in that first round conversation for next year Ooh, good question um wow give me a second to think that one through uh you know what i, I think the the guy that might surprise everybody this year and then move into that discussion next year is jordan howard I think he takes a huge step forward in the Chicago offense. I think Matt Nagy is going to find ways, creative ways to get the ball in his hands and create space around him. And, you know, with this passing attack, if Allen Robinson comes back healthy, I think uh, defenses are not going to be able to stack the box as much on him this year. 
and I really like him to, to be a force. I've grabbed him in, in the second round in a lot of leagues just because he's a guy I want to get and have as my second running back. Yeah, well, we're all with you there. Yeah, we, we, we love Jordan Howard. We don't understand the hate that he's getting at the moment from the fantasy community. I kind of like the hate he's getting at the moment because he's still let, they're still letting me get him. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. So the tough part about the running backs is when it gets to the end of the draft, and not even the end, but when you get past that first group and you're looking at the uh, committees. So some people like to look at training camp uh, and preseason games. Is there a unit, say the Patriots or the Titans maybe, or the Ravens, so a unit that you specifically want to watch in the preseason to see how the running backs split their work? Uh, again, good question. Um, you know what, I, I do. There's a couple. Like We talked about it before. Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, I really want to watch how that plays out mm-hmm. in the preseason. I do think Hyde gets you know the lion's share there, but I would like to see how that does play out. Um, there's definitely a couple of places. Let's see. Uh, and uh, for the Jets, you know, I'd like to see how the, the Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell, uh, Elijah McGuire thing comes together, how it fesses out over the year. Let's face it, the Jets aren't going to have a great offense, but they still got to run the ball, and they're all being drafted so late that if any one of them hits, they present value. So those are definitely guys that I like. Um, you know, New England, New England running backs are usually – Running backs, I tend to stay away from. Amen. Just because Bill Belichick, and I, somebody said this in one of my Twitter questions of the day answers, is that Bill Belichick don't care about your fantasy team. That, <laughs> that is the most correct statement on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, I got I got uh, burned by Mike Gillisley. Oh, sorry, go sorry, I got I got burned by Mike Gillisley last year, so I'm I'm forever tainted by the New England running back tandems. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're they are tough to. Uh, Tough to stomach there, no doubt. Uh, same thing can be said about the, the Green Bay running back system this year. I mean, you know, is it going to be Aaron Jones? Is it going to be Jamal Williams? Is it going to be Ty Montgomery? You know what? Unless I can get one of them really late, I'm just going to stay away from them totally. I just don't trust them uh, on how they're going to play them. You know, I, lately I've usually been taking Ty Montgomery really late just because he's the last one of the three still on the board. And I do like his, his talent level, and they're going to find creative ways to get the ball in his hands. But outside of that, he, that's just definitely something I'm trying to stay away from. Jim Day, thank you so much for your insight. Again, Jim Day is a fantasy writer for Fighting Chance Fantasy. He goes by Fantasy Taz, T-A-Z, Fantasy Taz, on Twitter. Uh, got the Taz logo. I love it. That's that's the, the best fantasy nickname I've ever, I've ever heard, for real. <laughs> thank you so much, Jim. Uh, I've been and fantasy ties for a lot of years now. Thank you so much, Jim, and uh, good luck, happy drafting, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Have, nice a, have you, a good season. Take care, Jim. Thank you. You as well. Okay. Right. Bye bye. So again, special thanks to Jim Day. Um, Jason, where can they find you? At Jason Petrop. At Mike underscore Patrop. And you can find me at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, frisky. real frisky. Um, we got some good stuff upcoming for you. The Twins are about to go to Europe. Um, they're about to live their young lives, and I'm jealous. But uh, I'll be here, and Mike will be here a little longer than Jason. And then uh, we'll have some guests. We'll have some guys. Coming. We are coming at you every single week for Fantasy Football. So don't worry. We're not abandoning, abandoning you in your time of need. Excuse me. Also... We're going to have our updated rankings every single week. Yeah, we are, baby. We're doing it. We're doing it right. We're doing it well. Uh, But that is all for today. Again, special thanks to Jim Day. Special thanks to us for, for, you know, doing overs and unders, you know. Special thanks, thanks, Mike's. I appreciate it. Mike's? (laughs) See you later.